Well, I didn't mean to cut that off. We are today. It's a chili cook-off, and I hope that you will join us at 1 o'clock at Ravencrest. And this is an opportunity for us to get to meet uh, our new Ravencrest students today. And yes, I did make a new pot of chili. That was painful. So uh, it'll be very good. So if you'd like to try that and join us, please do um, at 1 o'clock today at Ravencrest. And so I want to welcome you today as uh, we begin our new series on Kingdom Perks. Uh, this follows up our series that we went through this, last, this whole summer, which was uh, following the life of Jesus, and uh, we went through the four Gospels and learned that disciples of Jesus, yes, we, uh, if we want to follow Him, we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, right? We, we follow Him and His teachings, we learn how to do those things. We also want to talk about there is a lot of benefits to following Jesus, that our God is very, very good, and He didn't have to give us any of these things. But as followers of Jesus, there are some important things that, that God has gifted to us, and it's right for us to enjoy them. So that's what we're going to be doing, talking the next uh, five weeks about uh, all the great things, well, some of the great things that God gives us as followers of Christ. So uh, as always, we have a memory verse for our series, and this uh, w- series we're going to be having Ephesians 1.3. really points to the fact that God is the one who gives us good things, and it's important for us to remember that so we live lives of great gratitude. So uh, I know this is new for all of you since this is the first day in the series, so here you go. Just say it along with me. Three, two, one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1 3. All right, again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. All right, one more time just to let that sink in because it's new. Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. You sound so good. Okay, let's test ourselves. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. Awesome. Now, I know that that's something that's barely on your brain right now. So we have a tool for you. It's on that connection card. If you have that out, and it's uh, perforated so you can take that with you and begin to not just memorize this, but think about all the blessings that we have in Christ. And it should lead to praise, like we see in this passage. And a life of praise is a pretty great life. All right. Today we're going to talk about our kingdom perks. And the first one that is following Jesus, one of the benefits that we have as being Christ followers is purpose. And this is huge for us because our culture is in a crisis of purpose. Uh, Recently I read an article by uh, Charles Johnson. He's a cultural psychiatrist, and he wrote in uh, an article that was in psychiatry or psychology today titled Humanity's Crisis of Purpose. And this is what he writes in there. I think of humanity's crisis of purpose as our time's most defining challenge. A good argument can be made that it plays a major role in many more specific crises such as today's drug and obesity epidemics, the frequency of mass shootings, growing suicide rates, and people's diminishing faith in modern institutions. Now, this is obviously not from a Christian perspective, but it's obvious even to those that are operating in this world, the cultural psychiatrists, that there is a deep, profound emptiness or purposelessness that our 
world right now suffers from. David Brooks actually talks about this too in a New York Times article he wrote, What is Your Purpose? He wrote, Many people feel lost and overwhelmed. They feel a hunger to live meaningfully, but they don't know the right questions to ask, the right vocabulary to use, the right place to look, or even if there are ultimate answers at all. A lot of people that live in our world today uh, live here, wondering if there's a meaning to to life, a meaning to, to any of it, if there are even answers out there for the questions that we have. Maybe that's you. You're not alone. It really goes down to, if we boil it down to, it's a question between, am I here by accident or am I here by design? Right? And, and if we're here by accident, if we're here just because there was an explosion billions and trillions of years ago that caused stardust to somehow form that allowed there to be some kind of crazy chemical reactions and these strange natural laws that just happened to exist in a specific way that allowed things, all these molecules to collide in such a way that there was something that came about that looks like you and it has the appearance of life and the appearance of, of meaning and all that kind of stuff. Really, if, if we're just accidents, there's no meaning at all. We're just random chemicals bouncing into each other, some in our brains that makes us think that we think. But at the end of the day, nothing is really here. Nothing matters. We live, we die, and time goes on, and eventually it'll all burn out in heat death. And a lot of folks, I think, when when we are trained by this and we're taught this and we're raised in that idea that there is just random chance. Our lives just have random chance. The good things that happen in my life are random. The bad things that happen are random, but there's no purpose in it. It leads to... The question, are there answers at all? And of course, the reality is if we're just here by chance, there are no answers. There is no reason. No wonder our culture has a crisis of purpose. But I have good news. For those of us who follow Christ, remember back through the entire summer as we went through the Gospels, we saw that God came down. That God entered history as he entered humanity, demonstrating his powerful works amongst lots of people so that we would know that God is real. And if God is is real, well, then we we aren't here just by random chance. We have a creator who has a design. And not just a design for the big world, but As Jesus shows us and he teaches us, as God himself told us through his own words and, of course, through Scripture, that there is purpose in our lives. And there's three significant ways that we find that this God, this creator, gives us purpose. And the first one we find in life is he gives purpose to our very design. You are not an accident. And you need to hear that because the world is telling you you are an accident. You don't matter, but you matter greatly to God. You're not an afterthought of a universal explosion. You were the intentional design of a creator who crafted you. And it's not just my words that say that. Ephesians chapter 2, right? We are in Ephesians because that's our memory verse. You want to see a spiritual blessing that you have in the heavenly realms? This, you are God's handiwork. You created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another way you can translate that a handiwork is masterpiece. God looks at you, it's like, it's like I look when I make my chili, right? I make it and I, and I take so much time and care and effort, right? And when it's done, I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, I love this. And he views you with that, but a trillion times more. God has an infinite passion for you, and he looks at you not as a mistake. And how many of us were brought up and have heard time and time again, maybe from friends, maybe from a, 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 a bad uh, person who came into our life that just told us wrong things, and we might have heard it that, that we're a mistake, that we were just, uh, our lives aren't good, we're just messed up. The Word of God says you are a masterpiece. God shaped you. In fact, it's one of the things that we, we talk about as an acronym for us to understand how God shaped us in our lives. And in Scripture, the first thing that God shapes you with is it says that He gives you spiritual gifts. That when you follow Christ, He gifts you with something. Spiritual gifts are amazing. They're like a new or an enhanced ability, something that you might not have been able to do before or something that you can do. Now you can do it a whole lot better. It happens when you follow Jesus. You know, some people get lots of spiritual gifts. Some people get one. I got the one. This is what happened to me. When I was 16 years old, I was on a faith journey. And I went and I worshipped all kinds of different religions and tried the different things and tried to figure out who God was. And I came down. There was a, a great uh, youth pastor here at, at the Baptist church here in town. And he was an apologetic guy and helped me find that I could trust the Bible and I could trust in Jesus. In fact, it was the proof of the resurrection that really won me over. But still, it took two more months. Two more months because I didn't want to follow Jesus. I knew he was real. And then eventually I went to this big event. A lot of men were there, and it was a promise keeper type thing, a big rally. And there was an a altar call at the very last day, and I was miserable the whole time I was there. And I went down front, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And there was a pastor there, and he gave me some really good next steps, and I came, came to faith. And you know what happened that night is I was able to read the Bible and understand it. Now, to you, that might not be a big deal, but to me, that was huge. Because in those two months after I decided I knew Jesus was real, I had a Bible. It was an old King James Version, which was not the easiest thing to read. And I was reading that like Shakespeare, and I was going through it. And every time I was reading Scripture, it was, it was kind of like a code. It was, it was there. I could kind of understand it, but just barely. I was like barely holding on to it. But after I, I accepted the Lord, that night, I went home. And I opened up the word, and that pastor told me to read John, the Gospel of John. I have no idea why he would tell a 16-year-old to read the Gospel of John. As you come to That's a, a heady book. And I open up the Gospel of John, and I read it, and it made perfect sense to me. And not only did it make sense to me, I called my mom up on the phone, and I said, Mom, I've got two things to tell you. One, I'm a Christian, because you've been praying for me. Two... Let me tell you what it says in the Gospel of John. And I was able to explain to her the word. Now, that never happened before. And for some reason, that gift has never left. Why do you suppose God gave me that spiritual gift? You know, you have spiritual gifts too. That when you came to Christ, God has gifted you with something. And he has a purpose for it, good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. The next thing that we have is heart. These are the things that, that we have passion about. Did you understand that God gives you your passions? That there is a reason why you, you care about certain things? 
And there are some people who have a heart for hospitality, and that's from the Lord, that they care deeply about that. There are other people who have a heart for, of, of compassion for, for those that are suffering. There are some that have warriors' hearts. There are some who have hearts of, of uh, just a, a patience, that they just really, really, really want to make sure that people have love, no matter how long it takes, right? Some people have that kind of passion, not me, right? But some people do. And do you recognize that God gives you your passions? He gives you your heart? It's not a mistake. The next thing we find is that God gives us our abilities. Long time ago, I thought that there are certain people in the world who were better than others because they were more gifted than others in my estimation, right? There are some football players who can make the NFL, and there's other ones that could barely make our high school team, right? And there are some people that uh, are incredible speakers, and there's people like me, like I'm in the middle, and then there's some that just should never talk, right? And I would think that the people that had the great gifts were the ones that were better or more important. Like somehow they were the elevated ones. And that God would be more impressed with them. And then you read in the Word that it says He doesn't have favorites or anything like that. He's not impressed by those things. And one day it dawned on me why. God is the one who gives abilities. God couldn't have made me the greatest speaker in the entire world. He could have made me the greatest football player or the greatest pianist, or I could have had an enormous amount of gifts and abilities. He also could have made me someone who had very low abilities, right? And those are from him. He doesn't ask us to, to, to how much he's going to give us or not. In fact, the level of ability he gives you has nothing to do much how much he loves you. It has everything to do with the good works he prepared in advance for you to do. And he's gifted you with the exact amount of abilities that you're supposed to have. Sometimes God saves us by not giving us too much abilities. Because if, he, if God made me like a superstar, I would probably, you know, I would be on an NFL team or something like that right now, and I'd be missing out on my calling. God has gifted you with the exact amount of abilities that you have. And that's why he's not impressed with who has more abilities or less. He's impressed with how faithful you are with the abilities he's given you. But know this, the abilities he's given you tell you a lot about what your purpose is. It's like the difference between this hammer and this spatula. Now, you don't have to be a genius to understand that these have different purposes, right? Because the designer made them different, right? If I'm going to flip pancakes... I'm not going to grab this, right? And if I'm going to, you know, drive a nail, unless I'm really desperate, <laughs> this is not what I'm going for. You know that God made you specifically, perfectly, a masterpiece, exactly what he wanted you to do. He designed you perfectly for it. In fact, he designed you perfectly for your life, which is why you don't look like me. And I don't look like you. God has good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do, and he shaped you perfectly to do them, even through your abilities. Beyond that, God also, he's the one that crafts our personalities. It was him, God, the one who allowed us to have the personalities that we have. Some people he made outgoing, some people made shy, some people he made you know, really bold, some he made more cautious. All those things are from the Lord. He is your maker. And a lot of times we look in this world and just like with abilities, we see per people who have certain personality traits that we think are more important or better. And that is false. That your personality comes from God. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to use the personality that he's given you to be faithful? Because that's where we find 
that we're operating in that purpose that he gave us. Next one is experiences. That you're here in this life, in this particular time, on purpose. That God didn't just like have a bunch of humans that he made and they're like, just like, well, just randomly, let's see when the humans actually make it to earth, right? Do you know that God chose your parents? Which means that God chose your gender, he chose your time period, he, he chose your parents, he chose your socio- socioeconomic class, he chose the country that you would be in, the time in history that you were designed to be in. You were made for such a time as this. You're not an accident, and you're not here by accident. He's prepared good works in advance for you, and you showed up right on time. Good for you. But that means that all the things that we experience in our life, some things are really hard. Some things are, are very, very painful. But God's been at work in those things. And some things have been wonderful, and we've had these great benefits in our world we call privilege. Do you know that we shouldn't be ashamed of, of the good things that God puts into your life? Everything in our life that God brings to us is here to shape us so we can be prepared and ready to fulfill the good works He's prepared in advance for us. He shaped you, and He's shaping you now. Now, here's the cool thing is our God is so brilliant. He's not just shaping you for some future good work. He shaped you perfectly for the good work he has for you today. You are perfectly designed his masterpiece. And tomorrow, you'll be a little different. And you will be perfectly designed for what he has for you tomorrow. Which means that God shapes us even in the details of our lives. It says there that he... he counts the hairs on our head. He knows exactly there. He knows the number of breaths we're going to take in this life, right? Every, to the tiniest little detail, God cares about, right? Because that's what you do with a masterpiece. You sweat the details, right? And you are God's masterpiece. He is intricately involved in you. He shaped you. And he didn't just shape you, though, to be alone. He didn't just shape me to be a masterpiece alone. This is something cool in Scripture, is he's shaped us, actually, to be part of something bigger. It says in Ephesians 4, same book, same context, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, like the ones he's prepared in advance for you. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You're a masterpiece and I'm a masterpiece, but God designed us to be part of his bigger masterpiece, which is the church. He's developed us to work together. There's a concept that all of you have in your pockets that shows this really well, and it's your phone. Right? Your phone designer spent billions or millions or something of dollars to get your touchscreen to be the technological masterpiece that it is. And the batteries in your phone, in and of themselves, are, are wonders of technology, right? And the antennas that are in there are just phenomenal, right? And the, the casing on the outside, all of these things are, in and of themselves, they, they are amazing, right? As far as the height of technology and humanity, these are, are huge, right? It's amazing what you have in your pocket, Even the software was designed. But you know what? If all of those components, even though they're masterpieces in of themselves, if they're not connected, they're kind of worthless, aren't they? See, God made you a masterpiece, but you see here in Scripture, He's designed us to be assembled as His body. Or think about the masterpiece of your body. 
your heart, your lungs, right? uh, Your brain, right? All of these things, your bones, all of these things, amazing masterpieces, uh, just uh, technological wonders. We can't even craft those ourselves yet. But if you take your heart out of your body, it's not doing much good. God has designed us to be part of the body, the church. And when we assemble as the church, we are powerful. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, From him, that's Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You have good works in advance for you. Part of the ways that you are prepared for those works is by being part of the church. It's part of my job. That's what I'm gifted to do is to help prepare you for those. And as we do those, as we connect, the greatest masterpiece, the body of Christ, is activated. God has made you for this moment. Make no mistake of it. We look at the world and we think that it's broken. It's not hopeless. God's at work within it. And one of the reasons I know it's at work is that I'm looking at a bunch of masterpieces right now. But God didn't just make you for this moment. He made you for this church. He made us to be together, and together we do incredible things. I think that's one of the reasons that the world has done such a good, a lot of messaging the enemy has that you don't need church. Have you heard this? That as a Christian, I don't just need Jesus. I don't need a church. Can you see why that he would say that? He would say, well, I can just worship God on a mountain. Yeah, you can worship God on a mountain, but you're a battery without the phone, man. You've got power, but you're being pointless. Your, your, your potential is untapped. Together, we do amazing things. There is purpose for you, not just to be in this earth, but to be here, to be part of community. And the world needs the body of Christ. There is a meaning, there is, there's an answer for you. You are here for a reason. Another thing that God gives us purpose is in our suffering. He doesn't have to do this. We hijack this world from God, right? We broke it, and then we cut each other in all the broken pieces. And then we wonder why this world hurts so bad. And that's on us. But God doesn't just save us and give us meaning in this world. He actually, he gives us purpose even to the suffering. He says, I'm going to take your suffering, and I'm only going to allow you to suffer the things that I'm going to redeem in you. I'm going to shape you through the experience of your suffering, but he's not going to allow us to suffer anything that is not redeemed and redeemable. We know that. Romans 8.28 is one of the passages we like to go to that speaks most clearly to this. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you know the, the context of that is Paul is talking about how God's glory actually comes through and overcomes suffering. So the all things in there in context is talking directly about our suffering and that God is using our suffering as Christians and redeeming it. There's a lot of suffering in our culture. There's a lot of suffering even in the church. You know, it's never far from my heart or my mind to know that that in, in our congregation, you know, one out of every four women in our congregation and one out of every six men in our congregation, if the statistics we were statistics have been abused, were molested before they were adults, that's a lot of pain, right? That's a lot of pain. You know, that uh, this year, 15% of our society is going to be the victim of a crime, which means 50% of our members are going to be victimized by crime by other people, right? Do you know that, that one in five, according to the CDC, right now, are actively struggling with anxiety disorders? One in five. We as people suffer, and we suffer not just light 
kinds of things, but, but deep and painful hard things. Now, the craziest thing is, is that those who live outside of God, that, that live apart from Him, that we're just suffering because we broke this world. There's no purpose to that suffering. But once you become a believer, God only allows you to suffer the things that He's going to redeem. God only allows us to go through the things that He is redeeming in you, that He gives purpose to. There's a protection in that, but there's also a meaning in it. If you are suffering today, make no mistake, God is doing something today in your life. It might be a relational thing. It might be a physical thing. It might be an emotional thing. God is at work in your suffering. He is bringing about for good purpose. There's meaning in it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, That's why for our light and momentary troubles, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And again, the context, talking about suffering. God is at work in your life. And as Christians, everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. The difference is for us is that our suffering has a reason. And we can pray. One of the first things we do when we suffer is ask God to save us from it. Jesus did that, didn't he? And he was in the garden. And he said, Lord, if there's another way around this, let me out of it. And you know what? Oftentimes, God does save us from unnecessary suffering. When we ask him, we're saved for those. And that's one of the things that we hear all the time at church. We pray for each other, and we have all these answers to prayer where God he heals somebody or gives them a job or changes a relationship. He, he, he re- saves us from unnecessary suffering. But sometimes we pray and we pray, and the suffering doesn't stop. Right? We'll pray for someone to get healed for, for days and weeks and months and years and sometimes decades, and it never ends. Do you know why? God has a purpose for that suffering. And so we don't fix our eyes on the thing that's wrong. We begin to say, yes, this is awful, and we could always pray for one another, but we also pray for strength in the midst of it, that God will use it, and he will use it. He's promised to use it, and he does. So we don't focus on the broken things in my lives that I can't change. We focus on the God who is changing the broken things in my life to do incredible works. That's what we focus on. And it changes our entire perspective because then we see a God doing redemptive work now in me, through me, through you. This is the God we get to follow. That's pretty fantastic if you think about it. What a benefit. Our weaknesses, in a very real way then, become the very avenues for God's power. Paul writes about this. He had weaknesses. He calls them thorns in the flesh and things like this, and he prayed for God to take them away, and God didn't, these particular ones. And he writes about it later on. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That even in our brokenness, even in the pain, even in all the hardships that we've gone through, through those experiences, God is being strong through us. God, therefore, doesn't just give purpose to our design and and to our suffering. In a very real way, God gives purpose to our very lives. The lie of this world is that there is randomness. And we see that there's people in the world who recognize that as we started. But we don't live that way. We know the truth, that you have purpose to your design, that you have purpose to your suffering. Every detail of your life matters, and it matters not just to you and to those around you, but to the God of the universe who has crafted you. 
In Ephesians 4, it says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. How? In the futility of their thinking. Our world has a futile thought that it doesn't matter. So why try? Why be good? Is there good? Is there truth? Does it matter? The futile life that we see the culture engaging in is one that poisons the mind and the soul. It leads to depression and despair. It leads to this nihilistic idea that nothing matters, so I don't matter. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Gentiles in this passage are the unbelieving, the godless, the heathen. And we live a lot of people by around a lot of people who are still under that mindset. They don't know that their God loves them. That's why he sends us to them. They need to know this incredible good news that our God doesn't just save souls. He redeems lives. He has a purpose not just for eternity, but he has purpose for each one of us for today. And that purpose is good. Did you get that? For good works is what he prepared in advance for you. Good things. A lot of people don't even know what that is. And the reason they don't is because they don't know their God and their Savior. But we do. And so, we shouldn't be surprised when pagans act like pagans. When people live worthless lives because they feel that they're worthless. We shouldn't get angry at the world when they do wicked things because they have no idea even what goodness is. We shouldn't be shocked by the despair in the world around us, nor should we be impatient with those who are despairing. This world is a mess because there is a lie that says that we don't matter. But we matter. And that's not, however, that's not the way of life that we've heard, right? The way of life that we know it because we have met the risen Savior. Because Jesus is real and we understand it because our sins have been forgiven because we are in Christ. We know that God didn't just come to save us for some eventual eternity. He came to save us now. He's redeeming us now. He has purpose for us now. God made us on purpose, with purpose. And this is why we don't live like the rest of the world. This is why our lives look very, very different. We know our lives matter. We know that every person that was created in God's image has a, a purpose stamped upon them. And so, with this, it says, for you were once darkness. I understand it's not in darkness. We were once part of the problem. We were once the darkness that denied God and, and didn't live according to His ways and, and lived these worthless lives and perpetuated the lie. But now, you are not just in the light. You are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. The answer that God gives us since we have purpose is to shine. Simply shine. How do you do that? Well, you live with the purpose God's given you. Know that he's already prepared good words for your life. You don't have to go search them down, hunt them down. God has prepared you for these good works in advance. And if you think of all the thousands of years of history, he's had to line everything up so that you could be just the right person at just the right time right here. He's not going to let you miss it. So just be faithful. Shine your life. You've got good works, right? But more than that, you've also got a good word. You've got a great message. We call it the good news. That's the gospel. That God exists that we can be saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, if you've never made that 
commitment to follow him as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, you can be stepping out of a purposeless life and one with great purpose. You can find the God who's created you and designed you. And not just into him, but also into a great church family that you were designed in advance to connect with, that God has good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. And if you need to make that decision, I would like you to come talk to me after the message. In fact, on your connection card, you can just write on there, you know, want uh, to follow Jesus. I think there's a checkbox on there you could even do. But if you do that, please come talk with me so that I can help you take those steps of faithfulness so you can connect. But for the rest of us, as we go through this, recognize that I, we have our, our lives of purpose. There are next steps that I think all of us need to take as we follow the Lord in this. And now, if you have your connection cards, you can look on those, and I have four different things I'm going to challenge you to do. Why four? Because it fits on our card, right? But there are simple things that you can do to begin to put into practice and enjoy the benefit <laughs> that God has given you with purpose. And the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to memorize Ephesians 1.3. To recognize that the gifts that you have came from your designer and your creator, came from God. And maybe as you memorize God's word, he's going to actually show you the design that he's given you. The next thing I'm going to encourage you to do is read the book of Ephesians. I think it's so important as we go through scripture that we read it in context. We know the whole thing. And it's not a long book. It's a, it was a letter that was not terribly long, but very powerful. Take some time this week and read the word that is for you. Something else you might want to do this week is get involved. Not be on the periphery any longer, but to connect in the church, to grow in the church, be empowered and equipped by your pastors and each other to do the good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Even if you're only here for a week or two, let us help you connect, right? If you're here, you moved here, fantastic, let us help you connect, but get involved. The last thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to attend for the series. Because purpose is just the tip of the iceberg. But God has some really deep and powerful benefits that he's gifted us in Christ. What a shame if we didn't enjoy them. And we'd love to have you with us as we go through the rest of these so we can unpack some of these incredible benefits in our lives so we can live full lives with the purpose that God designed us with. Well, hopefully that's given you all time to think about some commitment that you need to make this week. In a couple moments, I'm going to pray, and then there's going to be the basket's going to come down. I encourage you to take your connection card, and if you have an offering, put that in the basket as it's passed. Uh, make that your, your commitment, your first act of worship this week for the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father God, you are good and you are powerful. You are loving and kind. Lord, we thank you for each one that is at this uh, service today. Your masterpieces. Father, I know that you are deeply pleased with them because you designed them to be pleasing to you. Father, I pray that you would lift them up today. Bless them, empower them, encourage them. Lord, I pray that as we connect together as your bodies, each one of us does our own special work, that we'll be healthy and growing and filled with love, just like you promised in the word. Lord, I pray for these next steps that we're going to take today, that you will use those to draw us closer to you so that the world can see who you are, that our lives will shine the, the goodness of Christ. We pray all of this in the wonderful and the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus.